with regard to this sermon, I got to be just flat out honest. Writers have writer's block, right? Guess what preachers have? Preacher's block. I don't know what else you call it. (laughs) I had no idea what I was going to preach on for today. I mean, 25 years of preaching, from time to time, these things happen. This is one of the worst. Completely have no idea. So last week's sermon is still up on the board, right, Paul? Even Paul asked me, do you know what? I still don't know what I'm preaching on. Well, guess what's been on the news? (laughs) So we got the Olympics going on. And with regard to the Olympics, um, I also have a personal thing going on because I'm competing in a tournament also with my dear friend here, Corey Frizzell. And as a result, we're, we're got this training a lot on our mind. And I thought, you know, there's a sermon here. And I hopefully it's not on the Olympics. But uh, as a springboard, again, not trying to be punny about that. But I want to ask you, do you guys know the names of these individuals? Do you all know who... This is over here. Everyone knows? Interesting. Should be easy, right, Michael Phelps? How about this young lady over here? Because this is her first Olympics. For you to know who she is, right, got the same last name as the Biles, (laughs) right? Is it Simon? Simone. Simone. Okay, Simone. Well, I I don't know. (laughs) I'm not very good with names. All right, so Simone Biles. And uh, just amazing athlete. In fact, I think she wasn't in the Olympics last um, in Australia, but she's, I think, a world champion or two or three-time world champion. So, I mean, just, just amazing. And then you all know who this is. Katie Ledbecky, right? And amazing because she, she's won something that has not been done in like 40 years and back-to-back from the 200, 400, 800, I think with the swimming and I don't know what, which ones, but anyway, just amazing. But we know their names. We would never have known them otherwise. Does anyone know who the silver medalist is? Probably the most, the most well-known of the unknowns when it comes to Olympic gold medals because he's got all these silvers to Michael Phelps, right? Locke, is that his last name? Anyway, hardly anyone knows his name, and he's won so many amazing medals in this. And then when you talk about these individuals, beyond the gold medalists, we don't know too much beyond their names, maybe their events. So I want you to think about this, because while we might remember their names and we might remember what generally they got gold in, I mean... We, I don't even know, is it breaststroke? You know, which one was it? Backstroke? Uh, all around as far as uh, gymnastics and what have you. But do you know them? Anything about them? Unless you're a fan, all you got is headline news. And I want you to think about these things because this is just a worldly event. I mean, it's a major event. It's taking all kinds of news coverage. But it's a worldly event. This is not going to matter in the grand scheme of life. Do you remember these names? Can you pronounce these names? Simone is a lot easier. (laughs) Apelles, Herodian, Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, Rufus, Asyncratitis, Phlegian, Hermes. I'm not sure if I'm saying their names properly, but these are the names all in Romans chapter 16. 
These are brethren whom the Apostle Paul regarded as fellow laborers, as faithful disciples, co-workers. These are brethren who are living faithfully before God. And if their names were not written down in the pages of history, we wouldn't know anything about them. But their names are the most important in world history. Their names are important because as Jesus was writing and, and communicating with the churches in Asia Minor in Revelation chapter 2 to the church at Ephesus, he said, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. And well known to all disciples in the first century among the Olympic Games, the Isthmian Games, and other games that took place every two, three, and four years apart from each other was this laurel leaf that symbolized excellence. It symbolized victory. You will receive this crown of life. The thing that was so coveted by these athletes. One of the most well-known athletes in the first century, in fact, before the first century, was Leonidas of Rhodes. I don't know if you guys know who, who Leonidas is. One of the most decorated Olympic athletes in history. He'd won 12 of these wreaths. Michael Phelps just eclipsed him after 2,000 years with 13 gold medals. And it's things like that, that trivial information that we will remember certain individuals over the course of history. And um, Michael Phelps is, is legendary status, if not now, as the years go on, will be as far as Olympic history is concerned. And yet, that name, unless that name belongs to Jesus Christ, is nowhere near the coveted name as those written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want you to think about that. And I want you to think about what is it about these individuals that they did to pursue this crown, if you will, this gold medal, so to speak. We're told in Matthew chapter um, 6, verse 20 and 21, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth, where neither moth nor or rust destroys, but or where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's our heart at, brethren? Is it on things above or things on earth? Is it on the temporary where we have a medal? Just, I think it was yesterday morning, I think it was yesterday morning, I don't know how, children love to get into our things. And so, one of the places, I don't know where I had it, one of the places where I, when I go to uh, foreign countries, I'll take some money and I'll keep some of it just as memory sake and what have you. And, well, in the midst of that were some other medals that, that were from my days back in high school and college. And, of course, when you're in these tournaments, you get these medals and things like that. And I remember one of these medals that I received as a sophomore in high school at the state wrestling tournament. And... The boys are just going through each one of those things and had great memories. But I was looking at that medal and it looks all worn out now. Just old. Not rusted or anything, but just tarnished. 
And I was thinking and, and comparing, you know, I look back at my life, and particularly before I was a Christian, and even a few years after becoming a Christian, where sports was everything to me. I mean, everything. I didn't realize what kind of an idol it was to me. And it wasn't until a few years ago when I realized just how much it dominated my time. You know, I mean, if I could tell you trivial information like this, that's because I've spent time looking it up, dwelling on it. And as part of the reason why we cut the cord, so to speak, with our TV, part of it is me with sports and what have you. And I thought, what can I do in my service to the Lord in replacing that time? We all have to go through those decisions. Every one of us in this room, every one of us in this world who says, I love you, Lord. I want to serve you. You know, where, are, where is our heart at? Is it on the Lord? And as we were discussing this morning in, in the auditorium Bible class about encouraging one another, it has to be an intentional thing, isn't it? To have a good relationship, and this is part of the, the article in the bulletin, it has to be purposeful. I mean, if you want to have peace, you have to prepare for peace ahead of time. And the, the same thing is true when you're talking about pursuing any endeavor at all. I mean, just consider the things that are going on in the lives of, of athletes that are going for the gold, so to speak. This might be hard for you to see because it's so dark, and I couldn't get a better picture than this, but that's Michael Phelps. Basically, um, working out when no one else is around. The dedication you have to have to be an athlete at this level is mind-boggling. It's your, it consumes your entire life. Eat, sleep, breathe it. And I want you to take that physical illustration and, and apply it spiritually. If we are to be, for a corny phrase, gold medalists, if you will, of Christians... I want you to think about what it's like. Well, let me go back to that slide. <laughs> Anyone ever endeavored to, to, to do anything in individual sports where you have to make sacrifices? That you have to spend all kinds of time, you know, at the whatever it is that you're engaged in, whatever the sport is. It's not easy. And when you want to get better, then you actually learn about dieting. And then you go, and pretty soon it's like, well, but today I want to take the day off, or I want to eat this donut, or I want to do whatever it is because it's convenient. Yes, I see John laughing already at me because I've gone through those moments where I ate the donut. <laughs> so we don't do what we know we should be doing so that we can excel at what we're doing, or vice versa. We do things we ought not to have done. The bottom line is, and we, Jesus said this to his own disciples in the garden in Matthew 26, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's the reality of life. And that's why so few people get to this level, because the discipline is just extraordinary. What about Christianity? Is Christianity the same way? Because just as Josh was reading for us out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said, run in such a way that you may obtain this prize, right? Right? 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. Run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. But the difference is, 
with athletics, only one person can get this gold medal. In Christianity, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord that gives their life to the Lord uses not just a gold medal that hangs around your neck. Gold, and this is again, it's a metaphor, I believe. It's a picture. Gold is so mundane, you walk on it. That's, that's this picture of how great the reward of heaven is. But we can take the way of the athlete. And we're told in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, that narrow is the way, right? Narrow is that gate and the way that leads to that gate. And there are few that go in by it or through it. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction, we're told in verse 13. But when you think about the walk of a Christian, as difficult as it is because we're having to give up self, we don't have to be the only one walking through the gate. We can hold each other's hands doing so. The question is how? Well, Romans chapter 12 gives us a lot from verses 9 through um, 18. There's a lot in this, and I don't know if it's too small for you, so just open your Bibles if you cannot read the list. But I want you to look real quickly of what it's like to be a Christian who is living faithfully unto death. It is as if the athlete in us is, is buffeting our bodies so that we can live in such a manner that we can be these quote-unquote spiritual athletes. Look at the picture here. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor evil, cling to what is good. That's what we're told in verse 9. Just that alone is such a difficult task if we were to try and do it to perfection. And not just you or me, but every one of us. He says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. How many of us here have difficulty doing that right now? I bet there are brethren around the world in Christ, not just with people of the world, but among their own brothers and sisters in Christ, have difficulty being devoted to one another with this kind of brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. We use Philippians chapter 2, verses um, 1 through 5, with this very concept. Not seeking our own interest, but the interest of others, Philippians 2, 5. Or how about this? Not lagging behind in diligence, being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. How many of times are we not wanting to do that because I don't feel like it today? Or rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, uh, tribu tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. How many times do we just kind of like, whew, today's a day that I just don't feel like that. I want a day off. And that extraordinary athlete just plugs on on those very days that are very difficult. How about blessing those who persecute you? You have Christians, let alone people in the world, that do things that is offensive to you. Do you bless them? Do you think the best of them or for them? He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Do we do that? I mean, as we go down this list of things as the Apostle Paul is mentioning them in Romans 12, all of this stems... 
from the concept of having your mind transformed, right? Look at Romans 12, verse 1, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Being in contrast to those who are conformed to this world. It's easy to do the things of the world so that instead of let love be without hypocrisy, I just love you when I feel like loving you or how I want to love you. My own terms, my own way. I don't want to give preference to you right now because I don't like you right now. Or I'm not devoted to you right now because I didn't like the way you treated me the other day. All of these things are easy to do. That's what the average athlete can go through. Just whenever they feel like showing up to work out, however they want to do. And in Christianity, it's the very same thing, but so much more important. You know, when it's hard, when it's difficult, that's when we truly shine in our service to the Lord. I mean, it's so easy to be nice to each other when we're nice to each other. Do I pray for you lovingly, devotingly, when you've done something that I think is egregious against me? There are brethren that struggle with this. We're told to be of the same mind toward one another, not to be haughty, to associate with the lowly. Is that what we do? To not be wise in our own estimation, to never pay back evil for evil to anyone. And to respect what is right before all men. Are these the things that we do? In fact, he summarizes at the very end. He says, if it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. So easy to read these words. So hard to live it. I want you to think about this. Athletes do it with this goal of that medal. And it's not necessarily the medal, but all that that medal represents. It's like four years, if, if not more, of all the hard sweat, blood, tears, agony that sometimes those that are not athletes, we just, we just don't, it doesn't register, if you will, the sacrifices that go into what it took to get that medal to break that world record. They're doing it for something that perishes over time. Brethren, what we are doing is much greater than any Olympics ever took in place. And I mean that sincerely. We may not get the accolades from men. You know, we may be ordinary citizens as far as this world is concerned. But guess what counts more than anything else? Revelation 21, verse 27, in continue on with his final words. We're told by the Apostle John's writings, nothing unclean, no one who practices abomination in line shall ever come into this kingdom, into this new Jerusalem. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is the place where, you know, that city of gold, where... The streets of gold that we sing in our hymns, again, not around your neck in some small, lined fashion. That's what you walk on. Again, a picture, a metaphor. But how great and precious 
the heavenly Jerusalem is, this place for eternity for God's people to dwell in, is. When your name is found in this book, it's because you are specifically remembered. All those names that I, wrote, uh, that I put up on that list from Romans chapter 16, those are the names that count. Your names are the names that count. doesn't matter how many gold medals, silver or bronze medals, or the fact that you represented this country in an amazing way at Olympic Games, that are an amazing spectacle. Infinitely more important is this right here. So do you buffet your body, so to speak, spiritually speaking? Do you discipline yourself? Do you have self-control? Do you exercise godliness? All of these things matter in your walk if you consider yourself a true disciple of Christ. Everything else falls short. I want you to think about that. I think it's wonderful that we get to celebrate. In fact, every day I keep track with the medal count. Go USA, you know, that kind of thing. I think we're at 55 as of this morning. But boy, I'd love to have an infinite number of those among us that we one by one can remember each other's names saying, we did it. By the grace of God, by the blood of Jesus, we did it. We get to enter in that golden pearly gate, if you will. Are you a faithful child of God? That's your calling. Do it like an Olympic athlete. Walk with the Lord in that way. Be diligent about it. If you're not, that's why we have each other. That's why we can pray for each other. That's why we can ask forgiveness for one another. But you cannot enter the race if you're not a child of God. You don't have the hope for gold if you don't belong to him. By the grace of God, you too can belong to him this hour. You can become a child of God. I beg you, if you're not one, and you're making that choice to be one, do so right now before it's too late. Do so right now. It's together. We stand and sing.